I'm wondering if um, you've ever had somebody in your life that was just impossible to get along with. And I don't want you to look at the person next to you, okay? It's not good. Um, or, or maybe you'd have somebody in your life that you would describe as an enemy. Um, and I was trying to think of, through my life, who, who, maybe some people that I've had a hard time getting along with or an enemy or whatever. And this, this story, this memory popped up into my brain of when I was like in fourth or fifth grade. I don't remember. But in the wintertime, uh, almost every night I would go to the skating rink that was about three or four blocks from my house and meet up with my friends. And we would just skate, play hockey, and a bunch of other kind of games. I mean, we just, you know, we just skated. And my brother would come over every once in a while, uh, but I was there almost every night. And this one night he was there, and so I was out skating with my friends, and he was over skating with some other people. And then all of a sudden there was these two older girls that um, I watched them as they had a scarf, and they came with this scarf and came right along and flipped my brother's legs out from underneath him, and he fell flat. And I was just like, well, that was really stupid. But I was skating and having friends, so I just thought, oh, well. Well, then I saw them do it again. And I was like, okay, once, but now twice? So I took off across the rink as any good Christian young man who grew up, grew up in a Christian home, knowing about treating people with kindness, and I just, they, they were lined up, and I just plowed into them both knocked him flat on the ground, and then grabbed my brother, and we went into the warming house because I was scared. Because <laughs> these girls were probably about four or five years older than me and bigger than me and all that kind of... I know it's hard to believe that they were bigger than me, but I wasn't, haven't always been this size. Um, so we were in the warming house, and these girls came, and they, of course, were threatening us and all that kind of stuff, and they, you know... If you ever come back to this skating rink again, we're going to beat the... And they had some other words that they added into that sentence. Um, the crazy thing is, I never went back. Isn't that nuts? I mean, I allowed that fear to... I mean, who knows? I could have been the next Wayne Gretzky. My future was ruined by these two girls. You know, personally, as I've been thinking about um, what it means to have an enemy, when I think of enemies and I think of wars, I just go, have I really ever had an enemy? I mean, I've had people I haven't gotten along with or maybe have had some struggles with, but uh, maybe even some people that I've been mad at, but an enemy? I mean, really? Um, the closest I can think of is the Green Bay Packers. I had to. But my question is, what, what about you? Do you have any enemies? I mean, have you ever had an enemy? And, and I, you know, again, I know we all have people that maybe we disagree with or we have issues with, but somebody that just, man, you, you wouldn't be 
that upset if something really bad happened to them. I mean, you might be kind of, I, I mean, you wouldn't say it out loud, but you kind of maybe inside would be just going, Dad, they deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe it's a, a coworker. I don't know. Maybe there's just somebody that gets on your nerves at work, or maybe it's uh, for you teenagers and college students out there. Maybe it's somebody at your school. I mean, it might be a little precarious if you're homeschooled because that means it's either a sibling or your mom or dad. What about a neighbor? I mean, you hear stories occasionally about these neighbor feuds that are just ridiculous. Um, But Jesus tells us something pretty radical in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And it has to do with love, and it has to do with enemies. Enemies? I can't even talk this morning. So today I want us to take another look at love. We've been in this conversation of love because we've been talking to 1 Corinthians 13. But I want us to go to Matthew, to the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at chapter 5, starting with verse 43. And here's the radical thing Jesus says about love. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, the law was back in that day, yeah, love your neighbor. And that makes sense. I mean, love your neighbor. We talked a month ago at communion about who, who the neighbor is. Remember, there was a guy that asked, so who's my neighbor? And Jesus talked the parable of the Good Samaritan. So, so we got that. So we know that. And it does make sense to hate your enemies. I mean, really, right? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, my question earlier is, do you have an enemy? Or, or maybe it's just a little more easier to say, do you have somebody that you really have a hard time getting along with, a hard time being around? That person I want you to think about today. So what does it mean to love our enemies? During World War II, when millions of Jews were being killed and sent to concentration camps, um, there's also people that tried to help and save the Jews. And there's one person in particular, many of you who are my generation and older know her, Corey Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom was a young Dutch girl, and her family decided that they were going to help the Jews. They were going to try to hide the Jews, and so they had created space in their home where they could hide as many Jews as possible. The problem is they got caught. Because they were hiding Jews, they were treated like Jews, and they were sent to concentration camps. And they suffered the same that the Jewish people did. Corey's sister, Betsy, died in that concentration camp. 
When the war was over, Corrie Ten Boom would go around all over the world and she'd share her story. Amazing story of even in the midst of being in this concentration camp and even in the midst of having her sister died, of the love she had for God and how she saw God in the midst of this. But one day, she was confronted with the reality of Jesus' words of loving your enemies. I read this from an article. It says this, Corey herself was put to the test in 1947 while speaking in a church in Munich, Germany. At the close of the service, a balding man in a gray overcoat stepped forward to greet her. Corey froze. She knew this man well. He'd been one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrück, one who had mocked the women prisoners as they showered. It came back with a rush, she wrote. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, its pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. And now he was pushing his hand out to shake hers and saying, a fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, this is Corey, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein, again the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The soldier stood there expectantly waiting for Corey to shake his hand. She wrestled with the most difficult thing she had ever had to do. For she had to do it, and she knew it. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. Standing there before the former SS man, Corey remembered the, that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Corey thrust out her hand. 
And she says, as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joint hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, she said, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine forgiving someone who has caused you so much pain. This is, for me, at the heart of Jesus' words. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus continues his teaching on love by giving us the reason why we should do that, starting in verse 45 of Matthew 5. He says, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Think about that. The reason why you and I need to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us is so that we may be children of the Father. If I'm going to say I'm a child of God the Father, if I'm going to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then loving my enemies and praying for those who persecute me is not an option Jesus continues and he says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Think about that. Perfection in the kingdom of God reveals itself when I love my enemies. Think about that. The hardest thing that we can do, loving an enemy is what reveals the kingdom of God. And what do we mean by perfection? You know, in the kingdom of God, it is love that rules the day. It's about love. What's the greatest commandment? Love God, love others as yourself. There's, there's all kinds of other things we can talk about that relate to perfection in the kingdom of God, but the reality is perfection in the kingdom of God looks like love and looks like 
love when I love my enemy, when I love that person that has hurt me really in a bad way. Another example of loving our enemies and forgiveness is I want to read part of a message that Martin Luther King Jr. gave many years ago on loving your enemies. And in part of that message, he says this, to our most bitter opponents, we say, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. Now, remember, Martin Luther King, all this is happening, and all he's talking about is in the 50s and the 60s, when race is a great issue, even greater than today. And he goes on and he says, we shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot, in all good conscience, obey our your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children. We shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead and we shall still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. Wow. No matter what happens, we shall still love you. There are stories coming out of Afghanistan right now of followers of Jesus who are doing this in the midst of persecution, in the midst of facing the ones that will kill them. They are still loving them because they are sons and daughters of God the Father who loves us. So how do I love my enemy? Um, first, by understanding the love of God. Jesus is our example. He shows us what loving like God is like. The question comes then, when I grasp, for, for me at least, when I grasp the love God, the love of God, is my enemy still my enemy? If I choose to love and forgive that person who is my enemy, 
if I understand the love of God, is that purpose and still my enemy? So the first way to love my enemy is understanding the love of God. The second way to understand or love my enemy is to realize that love is a choice. God chose to love us while we were still sinners. Love is not an emotion. Sure, there, there is emotion involved in love, but I know a number of people who got married who were soulmates who are no longer married. In the long run, real love, God's love, is a choice. And so how do you love your enemy? You choose to. The third way to love your enemy is by understanding that love is forgiveness. Your enemy has hurt you. You need to forgive, and like love, forgiveness is a choice. I choose to forgive. The fourth way to love your enemy is understanding that loving your enemy is hard. It's not going to be easy. You heard it in the story of Corey Ten Boom. There was that struggle. We know the life of Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We know how hard it was. He was assassinated. It's hard. It's painful. And the fifth way to love our enemies is understanding you can't do it on your own. I loved what Corey Ten Boom said at the end of that thing. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit working in her that she was able to do that. Yes, she took a choice. Yes, she got her hand there, but it was the Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that got her hand out there. You and I need to rely and trust and be dependent on the Spirit of God to work in our life. So early on, I asked you to think of a person that you, are, you, you have a hard time getting along with. Maybe you wouldn't call him an enemy, but there's somebody that you just, you just, you know, you butt heads with, or you just, whether it's a coworker or a parent or a teacher or neighbor, whatever, think of that person right now. And what I want you to do is I want us to take 30 seconds And in silence, I want you to pray for that person and ask the Holy Spirit to help you love that person. So right now, 30 seconds. Get that person in your mind. Father God, I thank you so much that when we were still enemies, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. You loved us. Father, help us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Thank you that you forgive us. You have forgiven us. And you, yeah, we we didn't do anything for that forgiveness. And help us to forgive those who hurt 
us. Father, we desire to be a group of people that impact people with the love of Jesus on this journey of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.